Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out. Space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, The Demonstration, written by Zorba T. Hutt. Now, I know we're running late for our meeting already, but let me show you one last thing. No, no, I insist, we're quite proud of it. Right over here, through this window, you'll want these goggles. Can't have you going blind. Remember what I showed you before? The salts, the guns, the bombs, the warships, the bigger bombs. Did you know us humans stopped inventing things like that? Decided it just wasn't worth the effort. All the kidding, all the bloodshed, all the screaming and death. We were so good at war and slaughter and, uh, incidentally, at defending ourselves from seemingly unstoppable foes ourselves, historically, but you've heard how it was a single race planet, not too many other races to fight against. <laughs> anyway, we stopped all of that for decades. Quite happy about it, really. That's why we create so much art and technology and non-warlike stuff, like the space station. Never seen anything quite like it, have you? Largest space station in the known galaxy by a factor of three. And the second largest is human also. Really, it's amazing what a hard-working, industrious race like ours can accomplish when it doesn't need to waste resources on silly, pointless walls. But, um... Wouldn't you know it, our Prime Minister decided that we'd neglected our roots, so now we have a few, um, generals. I think the term is, you'd be far more familiar with that than I would. Anyway, now we have some generals, and a few of our generals decided that maybe we should invent a new gun, or two, for old time's sake, just to get back to the old days, you know. Remember where we came from. Oh, I'm stalking up a storm, aren't I? Take a look outside. That's what I brought you here for. Right out there is humanity's brand new gun. We call it a Gamma Lance. It uh, can burn through the foot of hull metal in under a second. The neat part about the Gamma Lance, the part our scientists and engineers are very happy about, is that it is not an energy weapon. Yes, yes, everybody today loves energy weapons, but they're so easy to defend against. Oh, the Gamma Lance is more like a, um, relativistic accelerated superheated stream of heavy radioed isotopes. I think that's what they called it. All those fancy words, really not my thing. But I do know that it goes right through energy shields, and through the hull, and through the engines, and right back out the other side of the hull, irradiating everything in its path. Plus, um, it's got an effective range of over a hundred light seconds, far outside the range of lasers that most species prefer using. Like yours, I believe, um... Correct me if I'm wrong. Quite miraculous that a small species like ours could invent something like this in just a few months, immediately after meeting your wondrous empire, isn't it? Ah, 
That big thing, that's our largest test target. It's about 12 feet of solid hull metal, plus a shield rated to protect against a 100 gigawatt laser battery. Why, um, I believe you're familiar with the ships like that. Aren't those the exact specifications of your heavy fleet cruisers? They are marvelous. What a coincidence. Then I suppose you'll be very interested in what happens when it goes up against the Gamma Lance. Now, hold on a second. Come back. Put your goggles on. It's very important that you watch. I think they're about to fire, and you wouldn't want to miss the show, would you? Ah, there it goes, and uh, the test target is split straight in half. Amazing. I'm glad that you could be here for this. Our engineers tell us that we could build a dozen of these gamma lances every day. Of course, we could do a hundred times that production if there was a war going on, but <laughs> that certainly doesn't seem like me, now does it? Anyway, um, let's go down to business. I'm afraid my assistant has inconveniently lost the paperwork for your visit. Mr. Impaler of the Unclean, he who demands surrender from Nessus, right hand to the Galactic Emperor, ruler of planets and crusher of kingdoms. And I'd like you to explain exactly why you are here. End of story. Story number two. The Dead Universe, written by Cal Wallace. Our journey to the stars was not what we had hoped. The infinite, our search through systems of glittering glass, pink hues, gas storms, sparkling solar systems, was utterly void, empty. No, not physically. It was an amazing place, wondrous. The universe is steeped in richness, endless variety, worlds of crystalline rain, violent beauty, peace and serenity. The delicate dance of physics, twisting the sheer material of the universe into the miraculous forms by which we understand those forces at play. But we're alone, a sad, lonely universe. For all of its surface beauty, it's just that, a sheen, a veneer, a lifeless facade, devoid of meaning, stripped of vitality. We conquered spaceflight, turned to the skies, our gods dead, searching for answers. We mastered atoms, smashed them together, ripping them apart. We even brought the quantum to heal, carefully manipulating the varying building blocks of existence to surpass the boundaries previously thought unsurpassable. Those forces that had once shaped our reality fell away to our power, our intelligence, but it was all for nothing. All for an empty, uncaring, and dead universe. We were crushed. We felt abandoned. Alone, like children scurrying for meaning, or amoebas, existence a mere joke. We'd hoped to meet others like us, to share in the wonder, to search for meaning together. For us, at least, there were no answers. We are a social species. We need others to share in our delight, our sadness, our joy, and our anger. Nothing we found offered anything that we could use. For all of our ingenuity, our mastery of things, we'd failed to find what we felt that we were owed. 
alone. Truly, utterly alone. And so we take it upon ourselves to become new gods. We roam the universe planting the seeds for life. Stars are pulled unwillingly and ungraciously to bear, warming some worlds, cooling others. Those stars too deadly for life are ignored or replaced entirely. Planets are set to spin or slowed, the revolutions that allow for seasons. Others are moved to provide necessary gravity. Moons are carved and installed like glowing decorations, tidy against their brothers and sisters. We strip back layers of dead worlds, removing the dust and the grit and the rock and shaping them in our own home world, long since lost. Oceans are filled or drained. Water is made to run through the lands, carving valleys, ushering in weather, rain, storms, droughts, nourishing, providing the building blocks for life. We create vast jungles capable of oxygenating entire planets, plant life that process one gas to another, maintaining healthy levels that would sustain life as we know it. The only life in the universe. We grace the world with the smallest beginnings of that life. Beings so tiny as to appear insignificant, lost in the surrounding splendor of their new homes. We will be long gone before sentient beings appear. It'll be even longer until you are able to understand what we've done for you, why we've done this. We cannot bear the thought of any other species traveling the stars, becoming jaded to the wonders of the universe, forever seeking, forever denied companionship. And so, to you, our children, we leave this a facsimile of meaning, this new universe, shaped and molded by us, your progenitors, scattered amongst the countless life forms set to begin the crooding process of existing. We have left ourselves, small parts of us, like this log, to guide you, your ascension. We hope that you can mature faster than us to quicken your feeling of responsibility to one another. A reward, wasted time and lives over nothing. We hope to give you peace. Where we struggled with the nature of reality, we hope to set it solidly in stone for you. All of our knowledge is left to you for your eventual discovery. With it, you can advance further. Further than we did. Discover new things. Create, mold, and shape as you see fit. Care for one another. Look after your planets, galaxies. Look after all things. Don't make the same mistakes that we did. We will never meet you or our children. Not in our lifetimes. But one day, you will meet us. And perhaps, given enough time, enough discovery and ingenuity on your part, that we get given another chance. Your hands, your eventual mastery of all things, could alter things in ways we deem impossible. Maybe we will meet after all. If we do, we will rejoice, celebrate your achievements, proud parents of the immeasurable, gifted children. And when that day comes, in however many millions of millennia, however long it may be, in the tradition of our most ancient ancestors, the first round is on us.
Make us proud. Terran Galactic Collective. Humanity. End of story. Story number three. Everyone a multitude. Written by Algie Father Anthracite. It was a simple mistake. I am, as an entity, singular in consciousness, but vast in number of bodies I possess. I can remember when I learned of fire. I can recall making stone tools to hunt. I remember harnessing the power of atoms to supply limitless energy to the civilization I built. I remember reaching out to the stars, looking for new worlds, new homes. I remember discovering the theory, then the practical solution to every problem between fire and faster-than-light travel. My memory stretches back millennia to the day my first body was born, followed by countless others, each working in unison to my will. Then I met the Zakis. It, like myself, was a deep old consciousness born through the stars in bodies more countless than the grains of sand on a shore. We were at odds to begin with, each seeking more resources, the same resources. We clashed, each losing bodies in the same way those bodies sloughed off dead dermal cells. In the end, a truce, an agreement to stay out of each other's way. When the Zaki's bodies were found in my territory, I destroyed them. When my stray bodies entered Zaki's space, they too were similarly pruned away. It was not malicious, merely routine. With such large swarms of bodies, some were bound to wander off unattended. Something similar happened with the Sulk and the Akva. We maintained civil discourse with each of them and mind our own business. Stray bodies are disposed of, borders are respected, and peace is kept. Then uh, I met the human. At first, I dealt with it, with them, the same way I dealt with any new neighbor. Stray bodies were informed the territory was claimed and then destroyed. I didn't know. I'm so, so sorry. After the third or fourth human ship entered my territory, I spent some time trying to communicate with it. Instead of destroying it, I wanted to know why they kept coming. I was horrified, mortified, ashamed. I had killed so many minds. I had learned that they were each a unique intelligence. I could barely believe it until a volunteer allowed me to probe his mind. I saw years of struggle to learn how to use his only body. Decades spent training his mind, learning the things he needed to function within the people's world. So many rules. Language is hard enough between an intelligence beings, but they were billions and had spent more than half his life so far just getting to be a doctor. It didn't make sense to heal bodies to me initially until I remembered each body is a unique mind. There were no other hosts to reside in, no other body to occupy. Unlike my collected intelligence, a trillion bodies with a single purpose, they were trapped in a single shell with no way out. They needed to be extremely careful or cease to be. Where I could lose millions of bodies to accident, disease or war and be unaffected, a single wrong move on their part could destroy tens, hundreds, millions of unique lives. 
and I had done that. I had wiped out many lives in such an aloof manner. They must think me a monster. But something else the doctor's memories assured me. I saw his people's history, their conflicts, their achievements, their forgiveness, kindness, charity, love. I made a point of adding his memories to my own. I hold them dear even now. I learned everything on my own over millennia, and every one of his kind were taught the same things it took me ages to learn. I had never thought of sharing information, had never imagined cooperation was another. I had no need to. I could puzzle through any problem with enough time and bodies. After Dr. Nicholas let me into his mind, I immediately begged forgiveness. I explained why I had ended so many in my ignorance. I felt such loss. They forgave me, consoled me, befriended me. They struggle so much, and in the end each achieved so little. But each small achievement was built upon those who came after. They spent the short time they had learning all they could, then desperately trying to achieve even a tiny bit more, all so their progeny could do the same. I am a single mind with many bodies, but humans are many minds with many bodies, jammed full of the knowledge of those who came before. They wash across problems and obstacles like a wave, each drop a new mind, a new viewpoint, until they wash the obstacle away. They are one... But they are many. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And, if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.